Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Softball Insider Podcast with Bianca Chatfield. Thanks to Kumo Tire. Kumo defines itself through innovation, quality and customer satisfaction. So your car will be better always when fitted with a set of Kumos. They take care of the tires so you can focus on driving. Head to kumo.com.au to locate your nearest Kumo experts today. Insider podcast, all thanks to Kumo Tires. I'm Bianca Chatfield, and I've been hosting a podcast uh, for the last couple of months now. And every single episode, I get the lucky job of getting to interview a lot of former and current female softball players who have all had their own different pathways and journeys leading up to playing for the Travelodge Aussie Spirit. And this lady is no exception who we have for you today. She grew up in WA. She debuted for the Aussie Spirit in 2008 and has now played over 170 games for the Travelodge Aussie Spirit. She is a legend. She is still playing and she's still wanting to go to another Olympic game. Lee Godfrey, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Okay, firstly, let's let's start off way back because I like finding out what actually was your motivation to start playing softball from the very start because I'm sure being over in Western Australia, you would have been playing a variety of different sports. Yeah, uh, it was a long time ago, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> no, I started playing because uh, my parents both played. So mum was actually a pretty good softballer herself. Um, and represented Australia at a junior level uh, before having her four kids. So uh, we all played as a family and my brothers actually started playing. So that's sort of how I rolled into into softball. I think I was like seven or eight. So it's been a, I'm 31 now, so it's been a a long journey, that's for sure, but still love the game and and, and hopefully get to represent Australia in Olympics 2021 now. So yeah, looking forward to it. (laughs) I know we all thought 2020 and then all of a sudden I wanted that we'll get to that because I think that's one of the most stressful times for any athlete to prepare your body for something so major like an Olympic Games and then all of a sudden go oh hang on a minute it's probably going to happen in 12 months time. Yeah absolutely I think there's you know a number of factors and it's different for everyone but obviously as one of the more senior members of the group I think it was trying to make sure my body could last sort of another 12 months as well along with the um with the mental side of it and just sort of resetting for another 12 month stint. So yeah, look, it's been an interesting journey and and not one that anyone's been on before. So, you know, I think we've, we've put the time to good use and and hopefully we'll see our squad um, take out the gold next year in, in Tokyo. So yeah, hopefully we put the time to good use, I think. So when you first started as that seven, eight year old, was it something in your head way back then that I want to represent Australia or did it just evolve over time? Yeah, look, I think it evolves. I think as a, as a kid, you just play the game because you, you love it and you get to go out and run out with your mates. And 
I was fairly competitive from a young age, so I just liked trying to beat my brothers at, at being good at the sport. And then, um, I, and then it progressed from there and obviously started, I started making state teams and, and made my first, I think it was Aussie squad as a 13 year old, um, back in the under 19 days. So yeah, look, it's been a, it's been a long journey, but it, it's been a really fun one. And I think, um, I think, yeah, as you, as you start to progress, you know, you start to see players, you know, like Stacey Porter represent Australia and you sort of want to follow in their footsteps. So, you know, I've been lucky enough to obviously play with her, but um, she was probably one of sort of my role models growing up and, and I sort of wanted to mimic what she was doing in that national program. And you're also a mad sports person in that you love sport, but you also love yeah. playing different sports as well. Like obviously AFLW wasn't around uh, mm-hmm. in, in a way that it is now. It obviously was still played by a lot of girls, but you had a go at that as well. Uh, can you see yourself potentially playing a bit of AFLW in your time? Uh, I, I really loved um, the women's footy when I was lucky enough to play it. Um, I played in our top level every here in WA prior to the AFLW um, national competition coming in. So um, I've been lucky enough to play alongside a lot of those girls that are actually playing in the AFLW now. But oh, I don't know, it's pretty, um, you wake up pretty sore the next day after being hit a fair bit. So I don't know if my body could handle it, to be honest with you. Um, but who's to say what the future future holds um you know if we've learned anything from this year you never really know what's around the corner so yeah look I'll just focus on the Olympics for now I think and then um maybe enjoy some retirement of sport after this <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. Look, at, look at me I just think you can do everything uh we see so many cross coders don't we now especially players who are in the AFLW but who have come from other elite competitions in other sports and they are dominating and there's no doubt the skill sets that you have learned along the way help you in in both sports. Um, What does it stand out for you that, you know, potentially things that you learned from playing women's football that help you out there when you're playing softball? Yeah, I think just the the manner in which they play the game, it's, it's obviously quite aggressive, the women's AFL, but I also think you know, the conditioning and the and the speed work and the physical attributes that you need to play AFL um, have become really handy for me. Again, like I said, you know, adding that additional 12 months on to, to an ageing body, um, I definitely have to be at peak fitness. And I think that's one of the things that I got from the, the women's AFL is they sort of taught me how to condition my body quite well and, and sort of get it ready for, for match day, which I think, you know, for any elite sports person, is going to be an asset. So um, that's really helped. And I've, I've sort of been able to maintain that, you know, through these sort of COVID periods and these isolation periods and sort of come out the other end as fit, if not fitter than what I've been. So um, no, that's sort of probably what I learned, I guess, more than anything from AFL. Obviously I was playing softball well before I was playing AFL. So um, I already sort of had a fair bit of those skill sets, but that was probably one of the things that I guess I was lucky enough to learn um, from those girls and, and the trainers over there. And so we've spoken about you as a junior softballer. Did it all just go to plan? Did you all just keep playing along the way and then end up in the Australian team at some stage? Like no doubt, as I'm sure every athlete goes through this roller coaster ride of good things and bad things. And, you know, what's been some of the most challenging times that you've had to get yourself through to be able to, you know, end up playing 170 games so far for the Aussie spirit? Yeah, look, that's a, oh, geez, that's a tough one. That's a really tough question, I think, because when your career becomes sort of, you know, this long, it, 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 there's definitely ups and downs and, and those sorts of things. Um, I've been lucky enough, I guess, to play 
pretty consistently since I was roughly about 17 was when I first made my first Aussie squad, I think. Um, but I've had injuries along the way. So I had shoulder surgery where I had to pull out of a world chance in 2016, which um, that one hurt a fair bit. Um, that sort of put me out for, for 12 months. And then, you know, I think it, as any athlete goes through, you have little moments where um, you contemplate whether, you know, everything you're sacrificing is worth it. And, and um, I think they're probably more of the, the challenges that I faced um, through my career a little bit with the injuries and, and just that, you know, giving everything up to play, to play the sport. But I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think in, in hindsight and looking back on it all, and although my career hasn't finished just yet, I'm, I'm super lucky to have met the people that I've met and played the games that I've played. And I wouldn't change it because, you know, looking back, although at the time you think it's a sacrifice, it's really not. You're lucky enough to play for your country and, and enjoy everything that has to offer. And I've had such an awesome, you know, life and career because of softball that you just can't change it. I've been able to travel the world and meet some cool people. And some of my best friends are in that national program. And, and some of them I played with since I was 13. So you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. And although there's highs and lows in everyone's career, it's it's such an awesome thing that I've been able to achieve and enjoy and and, and lucky lucky enough, I should say, to experience. So, yeah, definitely some some highs and lows, but loved every second of it. And when you talk about all the travelling that you do, no doubt you do travelling, um, obviously as part of the Aussie team, but we spoke to Kaya Parnaby actually when she was in Japan and she was in hotel quarantine there getting ready to start their season over there. You've been over in the States, you've played over there as well, I believe. You know, it, what's the difference between playing over there in that environment and then playing over here in Australia? Oh, I think I've been lucky enough to play over in a few different countries. Um, and I think there's definitely um, some different challenges. Like when I went to college in Virginia, there was snow. We used to play in the snow and stuff, which obviously what? we don't have here. Yeah. And, and America's different itself, right? You're over there. They're a super competitive um, country when it comes to softball. Um, same with the, the Japan League. Like they're very regimented and, and they train, you know, eight hours a day. And I've been lucky enough to experience that as well. And then I played in Europe where they're a bit more chilled and, and you know, just enjoy playing the game because they love it. So I, I think it's just cultural differences for a lot of the parts, but that's what makes it a really cool experience is, is being able to experience those different cultures and just sort of how they go about things. And America is very, um, they're very direct. Like they'll tell you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and, Whereas we're probably a little bit more laid back in Australia, I would say. Um, whereas, you know, the Japanese, uh, we did a training camp there once where we were training with one of their pro sides. It was actually Kyra and Stacey Porter's pro side. We got to train with for a week and they train eight hours a day. And so that's just a whole new experience that I don't think we necessarily, we don't train eight hours a day here. So um, yeah, that's probably the, the little uh, experiences you see in the different cultures and just sort of, how they go about their training and, and what makes them really good at what they do. So, um, yeah, they're probably a couple of the, of the differences, I think. Let's talk about specifically what happened in 2020, not necessarily about COVID because I'm sure we're all over here. <laughs> we're all over listening yeah. to the news. 
But yeah. with you personally, in the lead up, you know, last time I saw you um, was at the Summer Slam and that was in, what was that, January, start of February. Um, and and being there and the excitement around that the squad had been chosen, the team was nearly about to be chosen to go away to the Olympics. How do you cope with that mentally as an athlete, knowing that, you know, you prepare your body to the nth degree to get there and be in the right spot at the right time, ready to go to perform? How did you cope with all of that? You say you're older, and I know as a 31-year-old, as an athlete, that probably feels old. You're not really that old, but (laughs) you're being a senior member of the team, having to try and, yeah, just get your head around what was going to happen and all the unknowns. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not going to lie. It was pretty tough I'm from memory the Olympics got postponed in April uh this year and you know I I I think I'd be lying if I said that it didn't hurt and then there's those thoughts of can you go another 12 months and so you sort of have that that little bit of time and I guess the unique circumstances is that we were isolated at the time so there wasn't a lot of um people around you and you weren't with your training groups and and so it became a, a very much um, I, I would say that April was quite challenging for a number of reasons, both mentally, physically, and, and just sort of what the world was going through and, and having that one goal that you'd been working towards your whole life just sort of removed, or at least I, I, it's hard to say because they said it was postponed, but I guess at the time it was very unknown as to whether the Olympics was going to go ahead or not next year. Um, and it just seemed quite, long like 12 months seemed like a a long period of time and so I definitely had those thoughts about whether I could commit and put that that time and effort in that is required to be an elite athlete and go to the Olympics and represent Australia but I think um you know after I had that time you can't give up a dream that you've wanted since you were a kid you know just because it's going to be 12 months of of some work. So yeah, it was definitely a mentally challenging thing. And as I said, something that I personally haven't gone through and and no one's gone through um, as an Olympic athlete. So it was really hard. But then I think once, once we, I've been lucky in WA, we were out of isolation at the end of April and and we started training again at WACE and we started training again as a group, um, as a daily training environment group. And I think once you get back around it, it's just like, I play the game because I love it and I'm going to continue to do it and I'm going to give myself every opportunity to get reselected and and that's what I did so it was definitely mentally mentally challenging and 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 a hard task but I think as I said I think this squad's going to be in a better place 12 months um from from that from April than than sort of what we were leading into Tokyo so we get another 12 months together we get another 12 months with a semi newish coach um, and so, yeah, I just think the positives outweighed, you know, sort of the, the hard work and, and everything that's involved in committing. So definitely challenging and, and definitely something that I, I wouldn't want everyone else to have to go through, but definitely has um, given me an experience that's made me, I think, a little bit more mentally resilient overall. And you talk about that resilience and and I don't know if you have the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> yeah, when, of course. When you had to... <laughs> When you were challenged the most and you and you really did feel that pressure and that overwhelm and, uh, you know, not knowing what you can do next and how can you possibly keep digging deep to get the best out of yourself when, when you don't know what's going to happen, what were some of the little things that you did to keep yourself, um, you know, to help yourself get through that time? Is there certain little things that you would recommend to other people to say, you know, this really did work for me um, to help me get through a tough time? Because... 
everyone in everyone's life is going to go through a difficult time at some stage and no one's immune to it, but we all have our little tricks and things that we find that actually work for us. Was there something that really worked for you? Yeah, I can, I'm really lucky. A lot of my closer friends are uh, from an elite background and and one of my best friends is actually an ex-professional baseballer. Um, And so I guess I spoke to him about it because he understands you know, the work and, and the effort that's required at that level. And I spoke to him about, you know, any sort of reservations that I had and, and he was able to sort of give me a perspective after he's been retired for a couple of years and, and how he would always want that time back. And, and so I would definitely say like, although it's not um, just reserved to sports, like having some close network friends that you can chat to that, you know, will be honest with you as well. Um, I think definitely helps as, as well as main, maintaining a routine. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy, um, I guess, the physical side, so the gym and the, and the running. And so I was able to sort of, you know, maintain that while not necessarily requiring the softball skills. Like I just didn't need to train and train and train. So I focused more of my attention on the stuff that I really enjoyed through that period. And then, and then as you start to enjoy it, then the softball stuff sort of came along. But I guess, yeah, my one single piece of advice is, is have those close couple of friends or family members, whoever it is for, for you to actually talk to and, and know that you're going to get an honest response. Because I think that, you know, once I spoke to him and, and, you know, a couple of others, I think it really sort of changed my mindset about instead of it being like, oh, it's another 12 months, it became like, oh, sweet. Like, how can I get better in this next 12 months? Like, what's, where's my 1% that's going to make me better to get selected and help the team hopefully win a gold medal. So, um, yeah, that would probably be my, my single piece of advice is just have that sort of close network that, that you can rely on no matter what, that'll give you, you know, the honest feedback, I think. Oh, that's such awesome advice. And I totally agree with you. Support network <laughs> around you is crucial in no matter what you're doing. We've spoken yeah. about challenges. I think we need to speak about some of your highlights. Now, Am I right in saying you're the first player in history to medal at a softball and baseball world championship in the same year? Only like weeks apart, I think it happened. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that all came about from that same baseball friend. He sort of made the networks align. And um, Simone Wern, who's actually our softball high performance manager, um, was actually the coach of the baseball women's baseball team at the time. So I've actually known her from baseball more than I've known her from softball. But, um, yeah, the, the stars all aligned and we played in Holland um, for the Women's World Championships where we won a bronze. Um, and then I flew out, I think, the next day or the day after and flew out to Japan to cap- meet up with the women's Australian baseball team to do the World Champs um, in Miyazaki, I think it was called, a little island um, in Japan. So, yeah, it was really cool and such a cool experience. I was so lucky and, and both teams were, were great. And I had a, I was so lucky to have that experience and, and obviously have to thank Simone and that for picking me in the women's baseball team. But um, yeah, it was really cool and really enjoyed it. So it was a, it was a good, I think two months or three months there. And I was oh, it sounds like it. What are yeah. other highlights for you that have stood out so far, so far in your career? Cause I'm sure a gold medal potentially at some stage next year might top the list, but what stood out to you so far? Yeah, look, that oh, definitely gold medal next year will be the, <laughs> the, the highlight. That'll be the one. No, I think um, I think there's probably uh, there's one World Champs game um, that stands out. We won the bronze. Um, it was in Yukon in Canada, but we were literally toe-to-toe with Japan 
Um, and we played, it's, it's one of the funnest teams that I've ever played in and, and the team cohesion and we just got along really well and we were one hit away from making the gold medal match. Um, it was such a close game and, you know, just one of those games that just stands out and, and Japan actually went on to, to win the gold medal at that world champ. So we just got pipped by them at the post. Um, and yeah, so I think that that was probably just as an overall experience, we toured for a long time and that was one of the, the funnest memories, I think. And that was back in 2012. But yeah, that was one of the, the funnest, um, I guess, moments in, in my career. But I, I think, you know, I can't go past us qualifying for the Olympics. Um, oh. That that in itself, it was just, you know, like with one team only qualifying from, from our um, region. And there was just uh, the culmination of, of pressure along with, excitement along with the unknown um I don't think yeah we could I could ever forget that like just being a contributor to us qualifying um yeah I'm I'm bringing my I can literally see myself back there right now like I remember how it felt I remember how you know the grass everything about that game or that week I should say you know I remember um so yeah I'm actually getting tingles speaking about it now but I think that that'll probably be something that I'll be lucky enough to look back on in in 10 years time and and know that I was a part of that and know that I was a part of something special and know that I was able to you know help this squad you know get to the Olympics so yeah that's probably those are my two probably biggest biggest highlights of my career so far and we saw uh, during this week that um, in Paris 2024 that there, I don't believe softball is going to be a part of it, yet they've brought in breakdancing and some other random sports. How does that make you feel? Do you spend too much time thinking about the, I guess, the opportunity that you have for what's going to happen in 2021, knowing that it's not happening again in 2024? Yeah, I... Look, I, I, it's nothing that I can sort of personally change, I guess, but I just feel for the next generation of, of softballers um, and the next generation of girls that, you know, are going to miss out on on that. I've, I haven't been lucky enough to go to Olympics yet because there was a eight-year block there that we were out of it, um, or it might have even been longer, sorry, not eight years, it might have even been more than that, but um, I was just too young for the... 2008 Olympics and sort of was right in my prime and we didn't have the Olympics. So I just feel, I feel for those players more than anything, I think, because um, I know that, you know, I would have loved to have gone to an Olympics prior to now, but it's nothing I can change, but I I wish for them that they had the opportunity to go to Paris, but hopefully, hopefully in uh, another four years time after that, softball will be back in and, and those girls will get that opportunity to, to represent Australia and, and go to an Olympic games. But yeah, I did hear the news this week, but I haven't haven't sort of paid too much attention to it because there's not there's not a lot that I can change. <laughs> exactly, smart, smart for a current athlete. Just keep it <laughs> <Yeah>, Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about your preparation and what's coming up in the next say six months for you. Um, what yep. are some of the big things that are happening for all the Aussie girls? Yeah, so we've actually got a, a camp. Um, it'll be another selection camp out of the AAS uh, mid-February, I believe that starts. Um, and that'll obviously lead into the to the Summer Slam and the APC tournaments, um, which is, so it's going to be sort of like one big selection event um, through the back of all that, which is really cool. Like, 
I'm super excited. I never thought I'd I've missed my teammates this much after not seeing them for so long, but I'm super excited just to get back into that sort of environment again and just that competitive environment, but also that team environment. I think um, that's one of the things that I, I love the most is being a part of a team and being in a team environment. So that's probably the first sort of major milestone for this squad. Um, and I believe that there's going to be some um, more invitees to that squad um, so that we can play some games and all that um, prior to the prior to the SummerSlam and the APC. Um, then from that, they'll select uh, a squad and, and that squad will go on to, you know, some other events down the track sort of leading into the, to the Olympics. But I guess our first major one is sort of that three-week block in February where they'll select the new squad. So, which is really exciting. It's exciting to be planning these things again and actually looking forward to, you know, playing in some international games and, and just to be um, be around the group again. So, yeah, really cool, really exciting time. Absolutely. And I can imagine, too, this is probably the, the last few times where you can take a deep breath before everything is just chaotic, getting ready to go, yeah. going through all of the preparation phase. Um, I want to ask you, obviously, my first experience of the SummerSlam was this year, and I absolutely loved it. I, I love being a part of it. I felt like I was part of the teams. Like, that's how <laughs> great the, the environment is. What's your favourite thing about the SummerSlam? Uh, look, I love it too. It's it's fast, it's quick, it's, you know, interviews, people talking into your ear while you're playing the game, like all that sort of stuff. Is, yeah, yeah, well, it's good. Have a bit of a joke. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think the SummerSlam's cool. It's just quick, it's fast. There's always something going on. There's, you know, heaps of games. Everyone's pretty in a, in a pretty fun, like, chilled-out mood. So just, you know, although it's competitive, it definitely definitely having fun on the field. So... Um, yeah, fast, quick, and and um, lots of action is probably the best part of, of SummerSlam. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for all of your time today. It's been fascinating to learn more about you um, and sharing everything to, for the podcast. And uh, we just wish you all the best for what's to come in the next six months. And I've got my fingers crossed for you that you are part of that team and the Olympics happen and you get there and you win that gold medal. <laughs> No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And um, I've loved every second of it. So thank you. And hopefully we'll see you no pressure. in Tokyo 2021. <laughs> yep. I'll be there. See you later, Lee. Thank you.